na 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 na. She makes me feel like it's raining outside. Raining outside. La da 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 da. La da 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 da. See, I went to the wishing well. It's the same fucking song. to the ocean floor. That's good. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Please open. Hey, 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 hey. This is Asinine Radio. This episode does not have an episode number because instead we are doing this episode is dedicated to the album of the week. Uh, Should we just get into the album of the week? You know, should we do any? Should we vamp? Should we do anything? Let's. I'm going to vamp a little bit. Okay, let's vamp a little I'm gonna bit. Backtrack. What do you got, baby girl? Why all of a sudden you want to change the format now? I thought it was kind of weird, but I said, like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm always down to try new things. Variety is a spice of life. But why on the angels and airwaves? Did you purposely decide that you wanted to change the format because we're talking about your boy tonight? It was like an all your boy episode. <laughs> now it's coming into Actually, my, like, now it's all coming together. Is that what you did? Did you do this on purpose? You know, if I, if I did, it was entirely subconscious. Uh, that wasn't the intention at all. The only reason I, I decided to do this or I brought this idea to the table to make separate episodes was because the last few weeks, you and I have had things to do separately to where we've had to cut the episodes short and only do the album of the week. And also because our album, album, of, the, album of the week segments have ten, they've been longer in the last like two months because we've been doing more research and all that kind of stuff. So I thought it would be better to separate the episodes mm. or to split the episodes up. It wasn't because of, of Tom. Supposedly. I mean, supposedly, yeah. It's not because of him, supposedly, but it's it's a, it's a coincidence. It's a nice coincidence. Let's just, is it let's a just go with that. a coincidence, a small coincidence, or just a coincidence? It's a, you know what? It's just a coincidence. Are there differences in between big coincidences and small coincidences? There are. But I'm not going to explain them to you because Can that's you... going to be boring. I don't. I don't think that would be boring. But go well, ahead. This conversation's getting boring. So <laughs> it's just a coincidence. I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, I just have nothing else to say okay. because I have no rebuttal to that. Yeah, there are no big. Co- let's, let's get it straight. There are no big coincidences and small coincidences. There are just coincidences. Coincidences. And yes. even the even the term itself, coincidence, is pretty subjective itself. So. I would say that everybody should stop using the term coincidence because it's not a coincidence. It's just it's happenstance at best. It's just a dense. Yeah, exactly. Okay, before we get into the album of the week, uh, Jeff is not a very big Angels and Airwaves fan uh, because if you didn't know, we are doing the Angels and Airwaves album. Uh, we don't need to whisper. But before we get into that album, we, uh, we're going to rank our Angels and Airwaves albums. Um, not our albums, but the, their albums. Um, so should we just go, cause what do they have? Five albums? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Five albums. 
So we'll just do like what we did last time with the blink. Is that the last time we did it? Fuck me. Yeah, it was blink. Yeah, blink. Because um, we couldn't do it with plus 44 because that wouldn't make much sense. But so we'll start with five, our least favorite. And we'll both we'll both say it and then we'll riff off of each other and go from there. Sound good? So uh, am I going to say my least favorite? I think you'll say your least favorite and then yeah, I'll yeah, give yeah. my reason why. Then you'll give your reason why. Then my favorite yeah. song, you give your favorite song. Okay. Yeah. Least favorite. You ready? Yes. Go for it. Love. Love. The first one? Really? Okay. Is there a reasoning behind that? Well, I thought you were going to give your worst favorite. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. Give my reasoning. Okay, my bad. Fuck, dude, I'm sorry. God damn it. <laughs> can't even do this right. Asshole piece we have a shit. fucking pod- <laughs> podcast that we can't even do it right. I can't even do it right. Oh, okay. No, my least favorite is uh, The Dreamwalker. Yeah, that's easily my least favorite. Okay. And, okay, I want to hear your reasoning first because there's one, two main reasons why... That's my least favorite. So continue. There, there's two reasons why love is your least favorite, or two reasons why Dreamwalker is your least favorite. Dreamwalker is my okay. least favorite. So love. Um, so first, let, let's love. let's just get out of the way that Young London, he again stole the Eminem's riff and put that on Young London, which kind of bothered me. But I also thought that it was way too much like Whisper. And when I say Whisper, we don't need to whisper. I'm going to refer to we don't need to whisper the album that we're doing this week as just Whisper. Okay. So I think it's too much like Whisper, but it kind of just doesn't have the same effect because of how much hype and I, I don't want to say influential because I don't think it was, but kind of how influential Whisper actually was. And so I think it was just kind of a failed attempt at recreating the magic from Whisper. You really thought Young London was was an attempt at that? That's interesting. No, I thought Young London was just a straight Eminem ripoff and I thought that bothered me. <laughs> Okay. It's like the third time he's fucking done it. It's irritating. Okay. Or maybe instead of, we can maybe call it, we don't need to whisper instead of whisper. We can call it wooden toe because. Did you just take, make that up? I did just make it up. Oof. Cause you know, we W D and T W right. Wooden toe. I'm just going to say whisper. Cause I'm not going to say that word you just said. Why? Why can't you say wooden stupid. toe? <laughs> No, okay, this no. podcast is no. stupid. So, so at first I thought you were just like jamming words together with, with like a fuck ton of apostrophes <laughs> in there to, to like contract things. But now if I say it like wooden toe, I have like a wooden toe. My my toe got chopped off, and now it's a wooden toe. Now it's made of wood. Yes, I'll I'll, I'll start calling it wooden toe. So yeah, you're you right. Should. I thought it was too much like wooden toe, but just get like the same effect. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but is that really your only drawback? Is that it sounds too much like it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Well, Dreamwalker, to me, that's my least favorite because that's when they got their new drummer in the band, Elon, who is a fantastic drummer, amazing, amazing drummer. Uh, But that's where I feel like it lacks a lot because Adam is a very hard-hitting drummer and he just has a way of grooving that's very different from Elon. And also, Elon, he co-wrote that album with Tom. But prior to that album, it was Tom who wrote all the music. So it's this weird, and it's very bass-heavy, too. The Dreamwalker album is very, very bass-heavy, and I feel like it lacks a lot of the, the, the groove and style of the prior, the previous record. So that's kind of why. It's still good. Okay. It's just, I don't know, Elon just brought this entirely different energy and style of playing into the band, which I don't think served the band very well. Okay. But anyway. I mean, for whatever it's worth, my favorite song off of Love was Hallucinations. 
oh, dude, you're insane. Like, yeah, I have not, another one got... on here that I, 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 um, I foreshadowed earlier. But I have another one on here that I know is a bad song, but I don't even care. What so yeah, think? hallucinations is my favorite off of love. Okay, uh, my favorite is Young London. I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I know. Oh, it sounds like fucking M and M's. You little fucking cuck. Are you serious? <laughs> that that and maybe Epic Holiday. Those are my two favorites off that record. Right. Off of Love One. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number four. Number second, four. What do you got? My second least favorite. Now, no, I mean, I, it is it is good to note. Again, I didn't hate any of these records. They're all okay at their worst. <laughs> It's so like at worst, okay. love. I thought that yeah, that was okay. It was a solid listen. I don't think I've ever listened to it through and through. So I I wasn't I wasn't struggling to I didn't lose interest. I wasn't struggling. I sat down and I actually listened to it. I enjoyed a lot of it. So but number four, um, part two, love. And my my theory behind that was that it was kind of hard to split the two albums up kind of yeah. in the middle. So if I had to do it, I would put love a little bit above, or sorry, I put love part two a little bit above love just because some of the songs kind of had a little bit more of like a box cart racer feel to them. And um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to throw my favorite out here right now, but my, my heroine, that's my favorite song off of part two. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm Tony, man. Holy like, shit. but even though my heroine, like half of that song is kind of, kind of whatever's, like the middle part, like the chorus into the end of it, I think is solid. And some of the songs I did, I'm telling you, man, they it just gave me like a throwback to Boxcar Racer, and I really, I really dug it. I enjoyed it. Okay, I, I can understand that. There's some like the heavier parts to this this Love Two album that are very reminiscent of a Boxcar. I can totally see that. Uh, my number four is um, is Love One is love part one, but we already talked about that. So we're not going to get more into that. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Do you Maybe dislike it done... for the same reasons that I dislike it? I just think like there, there's a lot of like, not, I don't want to say filler, but a lot of like uh, just ambient noises and like trend, like the transitions tend to be a little bit too long. Um, and I just feel like the songs aren't as hard hitting on love part one. Do you think they tried That's to recreate a lot of the things that worked in, in wooden toe? But kind of like forced fucked it in there to where it just didn't work out as well. I don't I don't see those connections at all. Okay. I'm sorry, I just don't. Okay, so so for our favorite songs, let's wait until to do that until the very end, till after we rank them all. Because this is actually getting really confusing. Because I didn't give my favorite song off of uh Dreamwalker, but I get my favorite off of uh Love. So that doesn't make any sense. Okay. So well, let's, you, let's, you you fucked it up so I well, will. No, you I will. Because I will you adjust. named your favorite before I did, but that's Mine. okay. So you technically fucked it up. So, um, so my second, yeah, like I said, my second favorite is Love Part One. You said yours is, or is my, yeah, number four. Number four is number four. Love Part Two. Is okay. Love Part One. Part okay. One. So now let's move into the third spot. The third okay. slot. What do the you third got? spot. The third slot for me is actually Dreamwalker. Oof. Okay. <laughs> that's it <laughs> well you told me we like follow the formula so i okay. say mine okay okay you say okay, yours, okay i give my rebuttal, okay and then we'll you give your rebuttal okay. i get my song you give your song we call it a day no because we're not doing you okay, just we're, yelled at me for it but we're but we're doing okay let, let's go through our list oh fuck man 
I don't want. Okay, when we do the the actual song, our favorite song from each album, let's do that at the very end. Okay. Every, but the rebuttals, we we can we can do right immediately. Now. Okay. So, so my so my third is actually right three. in the middle of the, the 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 album that's in the third worst, the third best, whatever you want to call it, is Dreamwalker. I think in the beginning of the album, they leaned really hard into like that Cure type of sound from like the '80s. But mm-hmm. I appreciated the fact that Tom really tried to sing on this album. Like he really stretched his vocal cords to a point where even though it was kind of bad, I dug it. <laughs> I respected he it. Did a, he did a lot of weird things with his vocals on this record. I respect Dreamwalker. Uh, I mean, if you respect it, that's fine. He deserves all the respect in the world. <laughs> 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 okay, so number three for me is Love Part Two. I, I I think it's great. I I I, um, I yeah yeah yeah, and uh, some solid solid songs. Some of the best song, not some of the best songs, but some really great songs from the band came on Love Part Two. So that's my number three. Am I right? Am I right? I'm right. I'm I mean, right. you're not right. So let's move on to number two. What do you got? What do you got for number two, baby girl? Uh, that is where ours are going to match up. Probably number two is I Empire. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that I Empire took all of the good things from from Wooden Toe, but also added in <laughs> a lot of great things from Blink, and made a solid record. Yeah, it's definitely the most pop punk. This is my number two as well. But yeah, it's definitely the most pop punk out of all their records, which is really cool too. It was a fun little throwback. The songs are faster, more up tempo. They tend to be a little bit more positive. Definitely, actually, a lot more positive on on. Um, I Empire than uh, Wooden Toe. But, so yeah, that's my number two as well. Solid stuff. So obviously, Wooden Toe is our number one. Yeah, for sure. So we're, n- we're not going to get too much into that right now. We're not even going to name our favorites from that right now because that's our album of the week. So let's go back to, uh, let's let's name our favorites. From, okay. Let, let's, okay, so let's start with what, I Empire. What do we got? This is their second album. I should have actually. Your, your favorite. Now that I think about it, I should have wrote down my favorite song and the song that I fucking hated the most. That would have been kind of fun, too. But I didn't do that, so I apologize. But my favorite song from I Empire, which I actually have already put on a playlist as soon as I heard it, as soon as it was done, I thought, wow, that's it. It's already going on a playlist. Was Secret Crowds. That song is so fucking good. It's <laughs> so good. It is. It's a fantastic song. Like, it's better oh, than it, half it, of Wooden Doe. No, come yes, on, Yes, it's man. so good. No. I'm blown away. It's great. Secret crowds rise up and gather. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds so dumb when he sings it. So good. Oh, but it, good I love it. <laughs> but my, my favorite off of I Empire is definitely Love Like Rockets. I, I think that song is killer. It starts off kind of kind of like uh minimal and then it just kind of explodes and it's it's i think to me it's the catchiest song on the record oh is love like rockets i i think it's it's top five one of their best songs whoa love like rockets yeah i said it and i'll say it again it's they're within their top five best songs in his name love like rockets okay so let's go to love part one what is what is your your favorite? What's your biggest banger on this one? Uh, hallucinations, <clears throat> like I oh, said, that's right. uh, you said that, like yeah. I said earlier, as I ruined. Yeah, that and then one. I said I said Young London. Yeah, but, and then you yelled at me. Yes, you got really correct. mad at me. Yeah, that's fine. You're wrong. And so let's move on to Love Part Two. Uh, my heroine for your banger on this one. 
Oh, that's right. My heroine. You're right. My heroine. I didn't get my favorite one, but um, it's always been up in the air between Saturday Love and The Revelator. Those two are have always been my favorite. I think Saturday Love is so fucking catchy. The lyrics are really dumb, but um, man, that's a fucking catchy hook. So that's Love Part 2. The and last is Dreamwalker. Dreamwalker. My least favorite. This is, the, wait, this is the this is the one really that I what your favorite one is. So so this is the one that I that I I foreshadowed earlier when I when I said my notes are cheesy in chorus but I degaff. Yes. The disease is my favorite from Gene Walker. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I, mean, I think that song's super cheesy and super fucking dumb, especially in the chorus. But just something about mm-hmm. him is like, you know I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I like Kesha. I like stupid things sometimes, and I don't care. <laughs> Except it's not stupid, but uh, this one, I couldn't pick one, so I had to choose two because I think they're so, both of them are so good, but very different. And that's The Disease. Oh, that's, yes. I fucking love that song. And then uh, Anomaly. I love Anomaly. Okay. I, I just, that acoustic guitar with his vocals, I think. Man, it's so fucking good. But yeah, The Disease, I've always liked that song a lot because it. I think it's the only song that sounds like Angels and Airwaves on this record. It's the only thing that, that kind of throws it back to Wooden Toe or Love or anything like that. So everything else is very much this album except for that song. And I think that's why I've always been drawn to it. But there you go. The there Disease go. and Anomaly. So we agree on The Disease. Now, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's good. Great song. Great fucking song. We finally agree on something. Good we song. agreed on top two. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah right. I Empire. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Even though everything's magic, is I think their worst song they've ever done. Still, <laughs> I, I I'm gonna did say you that. did you notice that the song? Uh, yeah, you probably don't because you don't know the song as well. But the song uh, "Dry Your Eyes" off of Love Two has the same exact like chord progression and melody as Everything's Magic. Really? Yeah, it's. Uh, I didn't notice this until like maybe two weeks ago, and Tammy brought it up, and she's like. I know this song, but I can't figure it out. And then she started humming it, and I'm like, "Wait, that's everything's magic." And then so we listen them back to back, and sure enough, it's like oh, the same awful. fucking song. Yeah, <laughs> I've always so loved the awful. "Dry Your Eyes" song. I've always loved that song, and then I realized it's everything's magic without that like high guitar. I'm like, oh, I can't be my favorite anymore. Then why did you not care about Young London? The fact that he took Eminem's riff and put it on that song? Uh, because it's different. Because it's like way slower. <laughs> no, it's, it's like the same fucking thing. <laughs> it's not. It's like literally the same. It's almost like he just like sampled the Eminem song and then just put it in Young London. You know, funny thing is he didn't do that. Actually, and hold on. I'm going to text him right now. Slower. Hold on. I'm on the line. Yep. Confirmed. He actually did that. I texted him right now. He texted <laughs> me back. He said I had to do that. I'm sorry. Who'd you, who'd you text? Tom DeLong. Who, to- wait, Tom? Tom Rebecca DeLong. No, I just texted him and he texted back. <laughs> For all you blinkheads, see who, see who got that one, huh? <laughs> Except you got the reference wrong, so you lose. No, no. Yeah, because because Tom says Mark's middle name is uh, Rebecca, so you got yeah. the reference wrong. That's why I said it was his name, because Mark's not involved in this conversation. So you always bring Mark up. You always bring Mark <laughs> up. <laughs> because you, you came up with a bad reference. It was a perfect reference. It was a bad reference. How was it a bad you reference? Get the, you didn't get Because you didn't get the quote right. We, uh, Mark's not well, here. Mark's not involved in this conversation. I can't say Mark's middle name. I didn't say Tom's middle name. 
because Tom doesn't say his middle name is Rebecca. He says Mark's middle name is Rebecca. So it wouldn't make sense if Tom's middle name was Rebecca, even in <laughs> a, a joking sense. This is the stupidest fucking conversation I've ever had with you on this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. We've had a lot of dumb conversations, <laughs> no, but this was like no, one of the no, dumbest. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Where are we going? What What is happening? Wooden toe, baby. Boom. Angels and Airwaves formed in 2005 in San Diego, California by Tom DeLonge on vocals and guitar, where he later recruited David Kennedy on guitar, Adam Willard on drums, and Ryan Sin on bass. They currently have five albums and four EPs. The album we're doing today is called We Don't Need to Whisper or Wooden Toe. It is the band's first album, and it was released May 23rd, 2006. It was produced by Tom DeLonge and recorded at his studio's Never Pants Ranch. It also features Tom, obviously, on vocals and guitar, David Kennedy on guitar, Adam Willard on drums, and Ryan Sin on bass. So, Jeff, let's just get right into it. Sound good? Whoa. Wow. Let's do it. So, what are your first impressions on this album? We have we have a history with this one. We do. Sure. We've, we yeah. We, um... We were obsessed at this point in our early adulthood with anything Blink and Blink related. And so like we talked about on our previous episode, how we had seen the very first Plus 44 show ever. Mm-hmm. It also kind of is weird that we've also seen the first Angels and Airwaves 
show ever. The first two Angels and Airwaves shows, to be and, more exact. Uh, true. I, I've always thought that was kind of weird, too, that they didn't do their first show at like a more iconic venue because their first show, was that Chain Reaction or was it at Glass House? It was at Glass House. And then they did the this kind of like almost surprise show at Chain Reaction two days okay. later. So That's yeah, what it was. their first show was at this place called Glass House, which is in Pomona, which is a fantastic venue. My favorite venue. But at the time, I mean, even, I don't know, I haven't been there in a while, but I mean, the sound quality is not, it's, it's not like the best ever, and it's definitely not iconic. For, like the, for that size, for that size venue, it's the best sounding venue. Glass House has a great sound. But it's just, I, I always thought that it was weird that their first show was at this little like local favorite place that none in of them Pomona. are even from. In Pomona. Yeah, and um, that that is a little weird. And Pomona's kind of a shit city. If you've ever been to Pomona, it's, it's not It's not great at all. It's pretty it's pretty garbage. Even like Cal Poly, the the, the college, but like whatever. It makes no difference. <laughs> so when this when this uh when this was first announced, we were closely following this and then you know, they, they released like the adventure, the the original cut with Tom breathing a lot. <gasps> we were just we were just like we were so stoked on it and it was just so great and like I remember being all about Angels and Airways and that first record we listened to probably like a hundred times at least. Oh, e- easily, yeah. We were way more obsessed with this record than Plus Forty Four. Absolutely. Like we were just, it was Absolutely. insane. Like I remember. Uh, okay, I, this is such a stupid memory, but it it stands out so vividly in my mind. When when the original version of the adventure was really it was leaked actually because Tom's email got hacked by somebody and or by a fan and f- he took four songs that were like not even completely finished like mixed wise mixing wise and that one fan who acted decided i want to put out the adventure so screw the band i'm going to just going to put it out and like k-rock and all the radio stations picked it up and played it so of course you know jeff and i got that song immediately when it came out yep and i remember i think the first time i'm pretty sure it was the first time you heard it I had driven to your work or something like that and I had it on a burn CD and I put it in the CD player and we just sat in the car and listened to it and we were just like blown away. Like we just couldn't believe this was, <laughs> it was fucking real. I, this I is, vividly remember this. This is like how great it was to hear new music for, for like in the pre streaming days where like it sounds so silly now to bring a burn CD with one track on it to yeah. somebody else but like that's i mean everybody knows everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much we love blink 182 and everything related to blink 182 and it's just like it just shows you like how fucking shut the fuck up how much we love <laughs> how much we love like not just like music but specifically like blink 182 and tom's stuff tom. and that's how like into it we were and I'll never forget that first show or that second show we went to. The Chain Reaction show to me was more memorable than the Glass House show just because so we were so fucking close to Tom DeLong. And not that I <laughs> care too much about that. However, back at this time, we were really into like, hey, let's let's flip off everybody on stage and just to see who who, who gets a reaction. Yeah. It and was I remember being that. like not even like five feet from Tom DeLong and just our fucking arms outstretched as far as we possibly can with that fucking middle finger all knuckles down and that middle finger straight to the sky and you know he saw it because he saw it. Because he, he laughed. Smirk and he, yeah. yeah. Dude, oh, it was, it, I thought that was just, that, that was like, 
that was life, dude. That was like the best thing that's ever happened to me up until that point. That was really that cool. Was that so was such awesome. a cool experience. Yeah. And we have such a cool experience with both Plus 44 and this because like we talked about earlier in the past episode, like leading up until, hey, dude, here's 80 bucks. Can we just fucking go see Plus 44? <laughs> He's like, yeah, go ahead. And like walking into the venue was like a movie, right? It was just like, it was so perfect. So was this show. The show that we saw them, the first two shows that we saw them in, but specifically mm-hmm. the Chain Reaction show, like it was so fucking perfect. And that album just, it was. It really like resonated with me forever. But then I, I kind of dipped off. I dipped off for a long time, like years. And yeah. I've never stopped listening to Plus 44 because I think, spoilers, even now it's still a better album. However, when I listened, when we start, when we decided we we're going to do Angels and Airwaves, and I listened to this, I was very surprised at how I still remember like all of the lyrics and all of all of kind of like the pacing of the songs and how I remembered everything about this album. And I was actually really surprised after not listening to it for years. And how much you missed it. I did. There were, uh, again, I'm, I, I'm a little more Killer critical album. now than I have been in the past. But fuck me. Like. Some of these songs. But like. Hey, but like. Some of these songs are so good. I have a new Man. favorite too. Like I think it's like there's some there's a chorus on this album that I think is the best chorus Tom has ever done. <laughs> it's debatable, but blew my mind. I also want to say those first two shows, the one at the Glass House. I don't know if you remember this, but it was because remember back then we used to go, we used to show up to the venue like four hours before the show would start, we where the drink. doors would open. Yeah, we would just show up super fucking early <laughs> so we could be right in the front. <laughs> And most of them, we would just fuck around. We like even we'd be like four hours early, and then people would start lining up like thirty minutes before the doors open. We would always be there hours before. And I remember we were we were just walking around that downtown Pomona, and we 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 had to go like to the bathroom or whatever. One of us had to go to the bathroom, so we walked into this little Mexican restaurant. And right there, three of the guys from Angels and Airways were sitting there eating like dinner at this Mexican restaurant. Tom wasn't there, but Adam, David, and Ryan were right there with like their girls or whoever they were with and i remember just being so starstruck i'm like oh fuck i gotta go like i just like turned around and walked out of the restaurant i think like, you i don't know i don't remember what you did but i remember that's exactly what i did. i just i couldn't say anything i was I, fucking stupid i was really dumb i vaguely remember this I, I remember getting there that early i don't remember seeing them at that mexican restaurant though yeah. but again like for anybody that's been in this area when we went to this show, there's a couple like breweries across the street. There's a lot of restaurants in that downtown area. None of that was there. There was like maybe two restaurants. One of them was like a dingy and Mexican place. Yeah, they were terrible. There was nothing else there. Like there was and no was like quiet, a remember, like, Yeah, it was like, like nothing. It's like a ghost town. Downtown Pomona is a fucking ghost town. It still is too. I was there like a year ago and it's still a fucking ghost town. It's they so tried to bizarre. church it up a little bit, but it's still pretty... <laughs> It's still pretty garbage. They Pomona's did, garbage. Who the fuck is. wants to go to Pomona? Great venue, though. That, that's the yeah, craziest fantastic thing. fantastic venue. But uh, also, the other thing I wanted to say, the Chain Reaction show, do you remember after the show we met we met and hung out with Ryan? Was it outside? Yeah, it was outside of Chain. We were there late, right? Like, way yeah. late. We were there for maybe no, maybe like an hour and a half because we wanted to try to meet Tom. So we just like hung out uh, outside the venue, just out in front in the parking lot. and then But Ryan was the only one that came out. And he just like hung out with us, took a picture with us, and then um, yeah, just like chatted. And I pretended like I liked the distillers. Oh, and um, <laughs> Ryan's like the only it. one who actually looks like he could be like a like a big rock star. That's true. Yeah, 
with it because he he had the tattoos on his neck and the hair though yeah the hair too yeah yeah but and then that was that was that was a great experience those two shows and that within like three days those two shows and within three days that was great but anyway let's get back into the into wooden toe this album um (laughs) by angels and airwaves so let's start with out with our uh with our bangers what do you what do you got and then we'll go to get into some stinkers if we have any all right. Well, um, do you want to talk about the adventure now, or do you want to just go into our like our favorites? What do you want to do? Um, I'll leave it up to you, man. I'm oh. easy. All right. Well, I I I rather just get into my my new favorite. Okay, so, let's get into the bangers. My new favorite Angels and Airwaves song um, is the gift. Yes. And so I I. I <laughs> I think um, it's it's a little similar to kind of the adventure in its music and kind of its melody, and and I think that this song, when Tom sings a chorus, I think is the best chorus that he's ever sung ever, in any any capacity in Blink and BCR and anything. I wow, think it, it's that's absolutely a bold the statement. Best. I think it's so good, and this song specifically, even though this whole album is is pretty sincere, I think this this song is the most sincere he's ever been. It's interesting. Wow, I'm surprised you say that about this song. Oh man, and then, and then the line, "I swear I'll melt if you touch me at all," bro, <laughs> bro. <laughs> That's like not even like the coolest line on this album. No, it's not at all. But it's so there's goofy a lot of cool lyrics. It's so childish and it's so stupid, but it just it flows well with the song. And like Adam, overall, he he's so. He's great on this album. He's absolutely fantastic. Oh my god, dude! He's I my think, favorite part. One of my favorite parts of this album. I think like his simplicity and bringing kind of just Tom's music to life is absolutely great. And he's a fantastic number two. He's never the number one on this album. Not at any point, in my opinion. Not at any point in this album. <laughs> he's a perfect number two. But that's yeah. fantastic, right? Because like every team's gonna have a Kobe. But you always need that Derek Fisher there. You always need that Pau Gasol. You always need your number two, or even Shaq, as some would say. Yeah, you need that number two, and the number two is just as important as the number one because number one may never be as great without the number two. And Adam's That's the perfect true. number two. They need and in that this, support in this song specifically, like like when Tom sings, and then Adam, like especially in the uh, in the chorus, he he kind of uses like the, the the toms and the drum rolls. Yeah. But then it kind of like gets more anthemic later on and it kind of like builds up. And the fact that he used like these simple hi-hats and this like bass drum hits in the verse and it goes really great with Tom's soft vocals. But then he kind of adds in the snare and it gets into this actual beat and then Tom gets more and more kind of, I don't want to say aggressive, but more like heavier, maybe a little more aggressive. I think he's absolutely perfect. Yeah. What I see, The Gift is my favorite song. It's, it's my second favorite Angels and Airwaves song. Oh, but this is my favorite one? song on the record. What? What was your first one? Was it from I Empire? No, it's from uh, the Chasing Shadows EP. That's why I wanted you to listen to it so bad. Oh, okay. Because yeah, my favorite song is off of that EP. It's called fa- the song's called Overload. I got very but, burned um, out after Love Part Two, and then fucking. But I, to- I told you to listen I to know, that EP. I'm I like, know. I told you, it's I told you, it's just Tom and Brooks Wackerman. That's. But you should have told the- me that like it had one of your favorite songs on there. I'd be more inclined to do oh, it. dude, it is my favorite Angels in Airwaves. I think it's a like probably top five Tom song ever. Whoa. But it's my favorite Angel in Airwaves song. Anyway, See, the I gift. It's my. The gift. The gift is my favorite uh, song on this record. Um, 
what I what I really love about this song too. I mean, Adam I think is the best part of this song, and then you have Tom's vocal melody in the chorus, which I think is fucking awesome. But the but just like Travis and Tom have this good back and forth with their their playing, Adam does it just as well, but in a more like swingy and groovy way, in like a groove way. He's very much more groove based than Travis, who's very like robotic and like like choppy. And what I like about this this song in particular during the pre-chorus, um, there, there's a line where he's where Tom says, "You've done it all." And when he's singing that part, you have he's playing the toms, and then there's the there's there's a short silence where he's not saying anything, and then Adam just hits the snare and like this crash, and just this it's completely silent except for that, and then that just leads into the chorus. I feel like it's this perfect transition from the pre-chorus to the chorus, but it's so simple and so kind of dumb, but it works so well for the for the song and just. Ah, oh, it's so good. I love it. I love it so much. I get it. That Adam's drumming on this whole album could be kind of classified as like, wow, this is pretty this is pretty basic bitch. Like this is pretty dumb. This is pretty simple. But, but it's when intentional. You, exactly. When you when you think of it in the context of, hey, I'm just supporting this guy and what he's doing, it's solid. And there's only a couple tracks on here that I really disliked it, but other than that, I thought besides Tom, like that was my favorite. Adam, player. yeah. Adam is, yeah, I mean, and it, I feel like, like I said before, it's it's not just his songwriting that's so great. It's the swing and the groove that he has that a lot of drummers don't get, that they don't utilize. And on top of that, he hits the drums so fucking hard. Like, he's one of the hardest hitting drummers I've ever heard. And I don't know, there's just something about, like, the only person that I feel would be equivalent that can keep up with the groove and the hard hitting is the drummer from Deftones, which I know you're not a fan of Deftones, but I would like to compare those like Adam and, and, and the drummer from Deftones because they just, they both have that groove, but also that fucking hard hitting, which I think is so good. And it just complements their songs so well, but uh, I should just play the gift, right? Just I get mean, right into it. Either that or we can talk more about Adam. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, big boy. Oh, I do want to say the lyrics to The Gift. I never really paid attention to them, but after reading them and getting more into it, the lyrics are the least are my my least favorite part of this album, which is insane. On this because specific song? On this specific song, because if you read the lyrics, it sound it's a very much a worship song. Yeah. Like a Christian worship song, and I'm just like ah. Uh, like like of all the the places to put this kind of like this meaning behind like you put it behind this like amazing song and it's just like i don't know regardless if you're i don't care what religion you are but it's just like like there's so many so many great lyrics and so many great things happening on this album like why not put those into this song you know what i mean i think the I lyrics know. were fine i don't think any of the lyrics on this They're album so were mind-blowing minus one kind of stanza that Tom wrote, which I think is possibly like the best thing he's ever written. But other than that, I don't, I don't think the, the lyrics are per se like mind blowing on this. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't fault it too much for being okay. dumb. Fair enough. Cause it is dumb. Well, here's, well, here's the, here's the gift by angels and airwaves.
that's it. The gift. Oof. By Angels and Airwaves. Man, ah, the chorus is so good. It's like chilling. It gives you chills. It's so it's good. so, 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 so good. But if you ever watched live videos of them playing this song back in the early days, he would never, during the chorus, he would never draw out the note, the notes that he's singing. He, he would say, and now... Yeah, I can and then there'd be a pause. He would never draw the note out ever. But still, it it's a great song, great melodies, and great drumming. Just all around great fucking song. I think I, I'm I'm still I'm I still think that that's if not the best chorus Tom's ever sang. Like melody wise, yeah. Oh yeah, I th- I think so. It's one of the best. It's good. Oh my god, it's so great. Oh, so what other what other bangers do you have? Because I mean, we both agree on this banger. Okay. Um, besides, like the adventure, which we've already played, and we'll talk about it probably soon. But I think Valkyrie Missile is a banger. I think, uh, like I said, the adventure is a banger. I think the war is an absolute banger. It hurts, even though it kind of hurts me to say it, is a banger. But that's it. Okay. There are no other bangers in the album. But are there stinkers? That. Are there there are no stinkers. There is one song. I want to know what, what the song that you think is not quite a stinker. There is one song that I almost was like, you know what, dude? I'm, you're like, you're Wait, pushing guess, it, bro. You're pushing it? it. Try and guess it. A little's enough. Oh, no. Was that it? No. No? Oh, one fuck. more guess. Okay. One more guess. One more guess. One more guess. I would say Start the Machine. Nah. Now, the only other song that I thought was kind of a stinker just because I thought it was so fucking cheesy and so dumb was Distraction. Ah, you're an idiot. No, <laughs> dude, that fucking stupid <laughs> bullshit lullaby xylophone fucking thing. Oh, I love oh, it. Barf, man. Barf. So my my bangers, oh, first of all, no stinkers. Absolutely no stinkers on this record. Bangers, like I said, The Gift, fucking amazing. The Adventure, I mean, we're gonna get more into that just because we need to, and then distraction is my other, my third banger. I, I love, I love that that that. Wow, fuck, I can't even think of the right word right now. It's like a stupid lullaby xylophone. Fucking yeah, I it's like it. some. It, it sounds like it's some great. shit that like uh, like some company would put out like Weezer lullabies, and they would play like <laughs> Buddy Holly on the on like a child xylophone on a play school xylophone. And it would be half-assed and bullshit, but it would kind of sound like Buddy Holly in the chorus. That's what the intro to Distraction sounds like, and it fucking irritates me. I love the intro. I I love it. It's because you like the only, bullshit. The only part that I think is kind of cheesy is the "I'll be your distraction." I'll be your. But it's <laughs> so much fun to sing because it's so bad. But I oh, I love that song. All right, well let's let's get into let's get into distractions. We're both shitting on it okay. so much. Well, I'm you not and you on. and me. Um I just think that distraction had had a lot of long buildups that only kind of paid off for fans of Tom's vocals. So if you didn't like or if you don't like or if you're not used to or if you weren't anticipating what Tom sounds like, I think distraction is not your jam. Even though I like Tom's vocals, like I said, I don't like that fucking lullaby bullshit. But I think like the whole song is just a buildup for Tom to sing like Tom. Because he doesn't always yeah. sing like Tom on this album. There are certain songs where he really comes out and sings like the Yed stuff. <laughs> and Distraction kind of builds up to that part. 
Okay. Fair enough. Like I said, I, I love that that whole lullaby kind of piano, like kid piano thing going on. Or like what's it what are those things called? The um like a wind up like a wind not a wind up clock, but um fuck, I can't even think what they are right now. A cuckoo clock? The no, not a cuckoo f- clock. The fucky kids doing them. The fucky kids on my But um no, I I love that part. And you know, I've never really delved into the lyrics on this record, but I really like the lyrics on Distraction. And I like what they were do I like what he was writing about on several of the songs, like from the perspective of somebody in World War like it was very World War Two inspired and being in like the midst of like bombings in Europe and I I thought that was really fascinating. A lot of bands don't do that, especially I don't know, it just it seems so unusual and it makes sense because like from what I've seen and read during the making of this album, while they were while he was writing the album and while they were recording it, they would just constantly have like old World War Two footage playing in the background, like on the TVs and just like just like old war movies playing on the TV. So a lot of it was inspired by that. And that's why a lot of the songs are written in from that perspective. And I like that. Like it's, it's a fun little story. Like he doesn't do it on every song, but the songs he does it on, I think are very good. And distraction was, was one of those. Like it's, it's, it's a straight up love song, but from the perspective of like a, a, a guy who was a civilian during the London bombings. And then the second verse talks about him actually being in the war and like going to war after that, after the bombings and all that kind of stuff, and just like ah, oh, it's like it's kind of sad. Like it bummed me out a little bit. I I agree as far as as Tom getting deep because he doesn't normally ever get deep, but he does try at least in this album and this song specifically. I agree with you in the sense that it's it's a person kind of sympathizing with another person who is in the midst of the shit. And what comes to mind in my mind is just like saving Private Ryan. Like imagine just like storming the beaches and knowing you have to do that at 17, 18 years old and knowing that, you know, half of the people in, in your in your little boat are probably going to fucking die. Like how do you cope with that? Like how, how, do you, how do you wrap your head around that kind of thing? And I think this yeah. song was kind of his, whether he's singing from the perspective of like a woman or a male or a lover or a friend or whatever it is, but it's like, hey man, like I'll be that distraction for you. Like I'll be that rock to help you through this fucking horrible, horrible time. Which, as he, yeah. he he's also said in the past that World War Two was like the last, like legit war. Even though it kind of sounds weird, the last last good war that was actually about good versus evil. Everything post yeah. that in his mind was just about money, if you believe it or not, about money and other things that were not strictly good versus evil. And so, with that in mind, I think that it is a little more um, emotional. And I think it's a fantastic song, but that fucking jingle jang, man. Mm. <laughs> the jingle jang. <laughs> I, I, like I won't, it. I won't play it. I won't play it. We'll, we'll get into something else, um, but it's a solid, it's a solid fucking song lyrically and musically aside from the jingle jang. And Adam has some <laughs> solid fucking drum rolls that go right into the chorus that are so yeah. smooth and so phenomenal. Yeah, they're very, very smooth. And they're not like, they're not showy. They're just very straightforward to the point. And no, he's, he kills it on the drums, of course, on this, every song on this record. Let's get into Adam because we both love Adam. And up until we did the off, the first time we'd done the Offspring album, which I, I think the first one we did was Ixnay. 
Is that yes? Okay, yeah. So we did Ixnay maybe like hundred episodes ago, and Adam to <laughs> me, but Adam never played on any Offspring records. But I didn't know that until we did the Ixnay and we I dove deeper oh, okay. into it because I had always thought that Adam was part of the Smash era, and then played on like Ixnay, and then all the way up until like Splinter. And then, like, departed. I thought, like, Adam was a solid part of the Offspring Ensemble and wrote a lot of music with them and toured a lot with them. I think mostly because I maybe saw him in concert once at, like, an Inland Invasion at some point. And so then I just assumed it was him. But he has, like, (laughs) songwriting credits on, like, two Offspring songs. And they're not songs that you would even think of in any way, shape, or form. Well, because they're they're non-album songs, I think. I think that one of them was, like, Defy You and... I don't even remember Defy what that was. Defy was on was. Ixnay. I think he has a song that's no, 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 only Defy, out on... No, 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 no. Defy You was, was like in 2006. This was, Defy You was like around the time Angels and Airwaves were getting together. Defy You was way late in their career. And I think that was like on the... I think that was like on the Orange County soundtrack. The movie Orange County, I think it was on that soundtrack. That was 06 too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or 05, something like that. Within those like two three years, so basically yeah. like the the that greatest hits thing that the Offspring released in the mid two thousands, yeah, had Defy You on it. Yeah, it did. It was the greatest. Hit. It was on the greatest hits, and I'm pretty sure he was he played the drums on that song. And then there was like one other song that he had done with the Offspring, but again, until we did like the Ixnay album, I had thought that Adam was a part of like the core during the golden years of the Offspring. And so when we did Not the wrong. yeah when we did Ixnay I was you know I knowledge is power man knowledge is power it's true and so it's I didn't know that and then like reading more into him I guess we can we can go into it deeper his um his first group that he started with when he was sixteen mind you which is pretty fucking might, might dope. as well get into it Rocket from the Crypt right Rocket from the Crypt right yeah sick fucking band but he, so good he also in two thousand became the or the drum tech for Weezer. And yeah. that's how he got in with Pat Wilson, who plays drums for Weezer. But now he started this other group where Adam played drums and Pat Wilson, the drummer from Weezer, sang and played guitar for the special goodness. Ooh, they were good too. And their first album, I think it was like Land, Sea, Air, was their first album. And that's what Adam played drums on. And that is a fantastic album, which is crazy because Pat Wilson is like the opposite as far as drumming goes of Adam because he's... He's just a very casual, lighthearted, soft-hitting drummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to have right. both of these kind of like coincide with each other and and and, and collaborate. Wow, collab, collabor- <laughs> oh, Dude, I can't even say. It. <laughs> oh, collaborate on the, that was that was bad. Collaborate oh, really on this bad. album. It was it's 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 fun. It's cool. It's it's cool. It's yeah, cool. it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It is. And like Adam's so, leaving from his, his departure from the Offspring, what little time he was actually there, like what I what I read was like the friendliest departure you'll ever see from like a drummer leaving a band. Was it? Yeah. I, I don't know much about it. It was. It was so much like, hey man, we love you and we support you and we hope you have the best life ever. See you soon. <laughs> it was so it was, like in like in Brooklyn Nine Nine when when the captain says his breakups are mutual. It was such a mutual breakup. And Seinfeld, too, when he broke up with Jeannie Garofalo, oh, yeah. it was so mutual yeah. and it was so understanding that it was just like, hey, I hate you. <laughs> and then it, it broke off. And they're like, oh, have a good life. Okay. That was it. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's super cool. Yeah, it is. So my little thing with, with Adam, 
I've I've always thought he was a great drummer, but I like like you, I didn't know about him really until Angels and Airwaves, and then going back and and listening to stuff. But there was this one band. Uh, I don't think you're very familiar with them. I might have talked about this on the pod before, like a long fucking time ago. But there's this band called Moth, and they're from Chicago. I think they're from Chicago or Cleveland or something like that. Maybe it's Cleveland. I also think that's where Adam is from. He's from somewhere over there in the Midwest. And he played drums with this band Moth for like maybe two years. And he was in their music because they, they, they got some MTV air, airplay and played like one of their videos. And they were like on AOL sessions back then. And Adam was the drummer in the video and in those live videos. And I remember going back and watching. I'm like, oh my God, it's Adam. I'm being so stoked about it. I'm like, I fucking love this Moth album. I think it's fucking great. So when I, when I went to... Um, I went and, and did a meet and greet or like a signing with Angels and Airwaves for during I Empire. And so I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to bring my Moth CD. I'm going to have Adam sign it. You know, it would be like a cool thing to bring up because like nobody knows about this fucking band. I thought it'd be super rad, be super cool. So I get up to him. And I'm like, oh, hey, I'm a huge fan of you, Adam. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about like Rock from the Crypt. And I'm like, oh, yeah, and like Moth, I love this Moth record. You sound so good on this record. And he's like, oh, no, I... He was like, he thought it was really cool that I even brought the record. And he's like, dude, this record's so great. And he's like, but, you know, I didn't play drums on this. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I joined the band right after they they recorded the album, but I'm not on it. And I'm like, oh, shit. What are you going to do, like, though? Yeah, it was jo-. And he was like, it was Josh Freeze. And I'm like, oh, no. And the, But he ended up signing it for me anyway. But I was so embarrassed. I was so fucking embarrassed. I did like zero yeah. research, but I mean, I, I think it was like a, an honest mistake, right? That's not, that's not zero research. That's a, that's a solid attempt at kind of like connecting to a person's past, I guess, but yeah. it was, but it like a, like a, like a, a positive past, not like his estranged spouse. It's, it's yeah, a, it was a good attempt. Yeah. But he, he, but he was super it. excited that I even brought it. Yeah. But yeah, but then but it's also cool that Josh Freeze played drums on that record, which is cool too. But anyway, um, but he's also played against me. But too. yeah, Adam's also awesome. I, I, both of us yeah, don't yeah, really yeah, like now, against me. So, I mean, they're they're all right. They're not bad. I just never got into their music. I've but he's only played on like their last two records. I've only listened to Reinventing Axl Rose, which I think is a pretty good mm-hmm. record. But oddly enough, old friend of the pod, Matt. I don't know if you want to say his name, but Matt Hines just say it. used to be a really big Against Me fan. What? And he got me into the first two albums, which was Reinventing Axl Rose and then something about Cowboys was their second one. But Reinventing Axl Rose has some pretty solid tunes on it. I know. I've always thought about going back and listening to them, but I just never have. But I've always liked what I heard. It's never been bad. Just it hasn't connected with me. It's but like I said, Adam Adam's only been playing with the band for like the last six years, but he's done like the last two records. So I think it's two records. Two records. So that's Adam Willard. Adam Willard. Atom. A-T-O-M. Up in Atom. Exactly. Great, great fucking drummer. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I guess we can briefly talk about the other guys. They, they don't have as rich of a history. Are we going to talk about um, everybody but Tom? Is that what's going to happen right now? I mean, we're going to we talk about Tom. <laughs> because we talk about Tom every episode, so I feel like Let, we're like BFFs with him by now. I mean, we are. I mean, I I texted him actually earlier today um, <laughs> about something, but 
I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Um, let's let's get into let's get into Ryan Sin. Oh, the cool what a, what a, guy. What a, what a what a cool guy name. Um, I don't think Sin is his last name, but if it is, that's cool. Um, he was uh, he was the original. I guess the original bass player for the Distillers. That's all he was kind of like doing prior to Angels and Airwaves. I don't know who he's with now. I think he joined think- the, the second album. I'm, I I don't know. I it's either the original or the second person for the Distillers. But I think when he joined the Distillers, he played guitar but learned. No, okay, so yeah, it had to have been the second album for the Distillers because he joined as the guitarist but learned all the bass parts and then became the bass player for the Distillers. Okay, so he was definitely yeah. not on the first one, so he had to have been at least on the second one, maybe the third one. Okay, so there you have it. But I mean, I, I've i never been a fan of the Distillers. I don't I don't like, I don't know, Brody Doll's not my thing. For me, like legit, my entire perception of the Distillers is based off of one song and how much I dislike that song. How does the song go? This is, this is the city, the city of angels. And that's it. That's it. I never listen. I to love stories. when I love when a uh, friend of the friend of the pod Mike sings that. He's the best. <laughs> he's the best one singing that. But he sounds like it. her. That's when she does sound exactly like, it's like so her. Annoying. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Holy shit! But. But since the Distillers have got back together, Ryan's rejoined the band too, so that's cool. I mean, he's he you know he's playing with them again, so that's pretty rad. But other than that, I mean, I think he was in a band with um, I think he he started like a band with Brandon Shapati, the singer from Bleeding Through. Yeah, a thrash metal band with him and yeah, Brooks Ackerman. Right, yeah, but it, I don't think they put out any music. Right, I couldn't find anything on Spotify. I didn't look on YouTube. But I couldn't find anything on no, Spotify, they, so I didn't press it too much but they're called the innocent because i were what were they called the again? innocent the innocent yeah because i remember this is like back in myspace because mind you this is like 2006 i remember they had a myspace page that i was following back then and they were always talking about putting out music for like a year over like a year and a half but they never did and then bleeding through just kept touring and then brooks wackerman was obviously playing with bad religion so i think kind of left ryan you know not doing anything this sounds so, so they, i don't think they ever cool though out. Right, it's a fucking killer lineup. This sounds so awesome, and I would like I would love because we'll talk about another guy later who made a a side band that's f- fucking phenomenal. But this sounds so good. I would I would yeah, really I mean, interested. It's a in killer this, lineup. There was nothing came. But I don't think they. I don't. Pretty sure they never put anything out even on MySpace. I don't think they did anything. But anyway, I think that's about. I mean, with him, with Ryan, I, I don't think he's really done. I don't know what other bands he's been in, right? There's not really much else he's done post Angel and Airways. However, because the Distillers broke up pretty horribly, and it was it was it was pretty bad for them all. He was reluctant to join Tom and Angels and Airwaves. So Tom, uh, according to you know the internet, which is obviously real, Tom offered Everything him a job moved. at Macbeth, the shoe company that he used to own. Oh, yeah. He offered him a job there, just to kind of like, hey man, like take this job at my warehouse and we'll get to know each other and we'll see where it goes. And that's kind of where Ryan felt like, okay, I, even though the distillers fell apart, I can still see a future with Tom. Yeah. So that's like, it's just so cool. But like that, that's, I don't know, man, that's such like a weird gesture for Tom to be nice to somebody like that after the horrible things that happened to him and that he did or that he did. 
with Blink. And it, it's just like this whole album and just kind of his hype around it makes me want to not like him. But if this gesture is true, that's kind of like, oh, wow, that's really nice of you to do that, to like reach out to somebody who basically their life was turned upside down, much like yourself, and say, hey, no mm-hmm. pressure. Come work for at my warehouse. Come work for me. If you like it, stay. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. That's like the complete yeah. opposite of what we actually knew as what would be like Tom in this era as like the douchebag we all think he was. <laughs> right? Because like he's fucking insane. Yeah, no, dude. Like, you're he right. was weird. No, I know. He was nuts. He said all this crazy shit. Like, ain't yeah, he said a lot of crazy stuff. Ever. Yeah, he said, what did he say um, about Jesus? <laughs> Fuck. Basically, John Lennon, like in 2006, like he thought like this was going <laughs> to yeah. be the next Jesus. Like, you fucking nuts, man. And so, like these oh, little, fuck. I can't these little the instances just make you think that Tom was not all crazy, and he yeah, was. Actually but also, he person. was like, like wildly addicted to painkillers at the time too. So he was kind of out of his. Like he said, like I remember in interviews, and even now he he said like he was in like a constant euphoric state from all the painkillers that he was taking for his like his the discs in his back and everything because he was in so much fucking pain from that. So I mean, I, I can understand the craziness just because of that but yeah he said some some pretty wild things which he i mean he says some wild things now too yeah but not people expect but he's followed it. through with but also he's followed through with some of the wild things he said nowadays true now so now it's like a don't knock him too much now it's a part of like his his persona back then it was like what the fuck like people just people weren't ready for it mm-hmm. people weren't ready for the things he was saying they weren't ready for the greatness. Well, hey, whoa. That I didn't say. I didn't say like not not to say the things he was saying were great. I just said people weren't ready for the things he was saying. The greatness that is Tom DeLonge. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, the 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 other member of the band that's not Tom DeLonge, uh, David Kennedy. Okay. So this guy, this guy kind of came out of nowhere. He um, he has a lot of tattoos. A lot of tattoos. Yeah, a fuck ton of tattoos. But a normal haircut. <laughs> Prior, I know. Like he's such an unusual, like not like in a bad way, just like a very unique person in a way. Put a sweater on like him, he's, and he's just like your normal dude. You're, you're like normal white dude that probably goes to like Harvard or Yale. Yeah, I feel like he, like any interview I see him in, or anytime I see him interacting with Tom, it's like he's the one who's saying like, "Tom, you need to like relax." Let's let's talk about this. Like he's almost like Tom psychiatrist <laughs> in a in a weird way. Like as a fr- like a friend psychiatrist. Like it's so weird. But prior to Angels and Airwaves, he played in a in like a hardcore punk band called Hazen Street. Uh, I went back and listened to the record. It's a pretty cool. They're record. so fucking good. Yeah, right. They're it's amazing. Pretty fucking rad. Yeah. So he played guitar in that band. I think they only have one record, right? Yeah, just one record. But this guy's from yeah. Bad Brains from H2O and Chad Gilbert, or Chad Gilbert didn't like play on it, but he like co-produced and co-wrote all of the songs on the album. Yeah, it's a They're sick fucking amazing. album. amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, he he did that record, and then before that, he was working with Tom in Boxcar Racer. He, I, he didn't really have anything to do with the songwriting. He was just there to like tour and promotional stuff, but... But yeah, I mean, the, the two things he's done prior to this were fucking solid. They're fucking good. But he he's never done anything musically outside of Angel and Airwaves. But for all you coffee lovers out there, he does have a coffee company, a pop, very popular coffee company down in San Diego. And you could actually buy the coffee beans and, you know, have them deli- 
delivered to your house and apparently they're really good and it's called James Coffee Company. Yeah, isn't that like why so he check left Angels and Airwaves because he wants to like I don't know. He left well he kind of, well I don't know if he left. I think he I think it was more like Tom just wanted to work with Elon uh back in like 2012, 2013. And then so they just did that Angels and, and like Dreamwalker last year album, he like, said we're now working together again. Yeah, you know, Dave, David's back, and, you know, we're just kind of, we're doing the Angels and Airwaves thing again, which is cool. I mean, but David, like, never technically left. He just didn't, he didn't play or write anything on Dreamwalker. Like, he had the prior records, so. He's also really b- big but, into motorcycle racing, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's an interesting dude. Like, I don't know, he's he's always... I don't know. He's so quiet too. Like every interview and everything I've seen in, with him, he's super quiet. But he, I don't know. He has this weird thing. Th- him and Tom have this weird friendship. It seems like, like they're polar opposites, and I don't understand how they get along. Well, they've been friends for like forever. Like they were f- like childhood yes, friends in in the Poway era of Blink One Eighty Two. So I mean that that could be like a like a I don't know a, a way for David to tell Tom to shut the fuck up, and Tom not get too upset about it. Yeah, you're probably right. But David's and totally also dope. like in that, you that know, band that we mentioned earlier. I forgot it, the Hazen Street. They're so good, dude. They're so fucking cool. Yeah. Also, David doesn't have like like he doesn't you know have that ego. You know, like like Tom. It, it seems like his two closest friends at the time were like Mark, who Mark and David, two very different people. Like, but Mark came up with Tom and like the fame and notoriety and all that kind of stuff but david's like that balance to tom he's like that perfect balance to tom which is really cool yeah and i think that's why they still work together and they still seem to be really good friends i wonder what david like did though in the period between hey dude like you have ecto cooler want to be friends yeah and then they're nothing and then boxcar racer and then like let's do angels and airwaves (laughs) <laughs> it is a weird series of events for sure like for being such a rock star and being so closely related to one of the biggest rock stars of like the 90s and 2000s like i wonder what the fuck you did i don't know that's a good question maybe you work for uh, Macbeth or something i don't know possible or atticus who knows but anyway oh, let's get back to this album man fucking great days but let's get back to this album um fuck man we Surprisingly, we haven't talked a lot about this record. Yeah, <laughs> let's go back to um, let's go back to it hurts because we like to we, we like to <laughs> we like to laugh at this song a lot, but it's still a phenomenal song, even though it's really goofy. And yeah, when I talked about how I I remembered all of the lyrics and all of the the melodies, this song specifically, as soon as the first it hurts came on, I immediately started start counting laughing? to seventeen. Because it's seventeen, it hurts until the music starts, and I yeah. immediately knew that. I remember that because I remember you and me. We counted like after like the third <laughs> listen. Like, how really? many fucking it hurts does it take? And we like we kept rewinding it, like we on our fingers. We kept counting and counting until we finally came out the number of seventeen. <laughs> stupid. So my favorite, my favorite memory of this stupid fucking. Well, it's not a stupid song, but my favorite stupid memory of this song was you made this really dumb comment where every time it he says it hurts, it reminds you of somebody like a little kid burning their hand on like a stove and saying, <laughs> It hurts, it hurts. And, and doing and it over and over. Doing it over and over again. 
<laughs> and ever times. since this this was like the very beginning <laughs> of this band when we first heard this song you made that stupid comment and every time i just i laugh i like i i audibly laugh i just it's so stupid <laughs> but it's it's great and you know i i saw angels and airwaves last week um for the first time in like maybe oh. 10 years i saw them fantastic show fucking great show they played for like an hour and 40 minutes but they played it hurts but they they no longer have somebody say the it hurts part over the microphone they just have like a backing track of some of tom saying it hurts over oh and over no again. yeah yeah nobody was singing it i was i was hoping like matt rubano the ba- the new bass player was going to sing it or something but you know, he didn't but anyway yeah i just wanted to throw that out there but the uh but yeah this song is it's a fantastic song and it has one of my favorite lyrics of all time. Which one? I, the alcohol is scented with oh, your yeah, breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why there's just something about that that I've always liked. I think it it's hurts great. has the best songwriting Tom has ever done. Not just with that part, but also when he, when he kind of gives that imagery of you dug yourself into a liar's hole you made a little spark to live inside. It's now fucking fired off control. Mm-hmm. I think that is like the best thing Tom has ever written. Ever. See, I'm going to have to disagree with you. There's another song on this record where I feel like his lyrics are just like some of the best things he's ever written. But we'll we'll get more into that But later. But with It Hurts, that that's a really good line too. I, 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 I just think it like not only does it give you like this good imagery of what's going on, but it also kind of gives like this window into what he's feeling because mm-hmm. like the, the the quarrel that's going on, but it hurts can kind of being be taken like a couple different ways too. Like overall, like the overall tone of it, much like a lot of the other songs on this album. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and that pause before though, it's like the pause before he goes, it hurts, which is like the bass drum. Oh, I think that's. So oh good. yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but the lyrics too, I thought the lyrics were interesting on this one. Like the, this one differs more from the rest of the album where it's, it's a guy. I mean, some people have said, Oh, you know, the song's about Mark and all this stuff. This is like the only song that's about Mark on this record. But I, I honestly don't think it is. I, I feel like from what I was getting from it, it was about a guy who's been friends with this girl for a long time and he constantly sees her getting hurt by other, other guys. And he eventually grows, you know, forms feelings with this, with his best friend who is, it's his best friend. And eventually they hook up but she doesn't feel the same way that he does. She just sees it as like a one night stand and it's just him just like dealing with those emotions and it's very different. And like, I think this is probably like one of the outside of like the world war two songs. I feel like this is like one of the deepest songs on the record. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know how I think so too. More I can say about that, but because I think that when he's singing, especially the part that I, that I, I thought was like his best songwriting there's also this like high guitar in the background that almost gives it this like um, this kind of childish kind of vibe to it, but his okay. lyrics are kind of cutting real deep. And so it's almost like himself acknowledging that he's kind of a, for lack of a better word, he's kind of a joke. And so he knows this and he's writing to that saying like, Hey, I know I'm, I'm a joke, but here's like the best songwriting I can do but I'm going to add in these high guitars to make it sound like it's still kind of a lullaby because I write really fucking catchy songs and that's all I know how to do. That's the only way I can express myself and it comes out fucking perfect in the song. 
It does. It really does. So I'm going to play. Um, we'll play a little bit of It Hurts. Sound good? 17 times. Don't forget. All right. 17 times. Here we go. Count with your fingers. It hurts. You can, you can go 14 more times? I'm not going to go 14 more times because nah. that's fucking annoying. And we're already annoying enough. So, mm, yeah, there call. it is. It Hurts by Angels and Airwaves. Damn, that great song. so good. It is. The alcohol is scented with your breath. See, ah, again, again, like Mark had already said, you can always find you're at the bottom of a plastic cup. And like we mentioned the other episode, like I don't like is this this them being so connected lyrically and songwriting wise that they still kind of write the same things, or am I just cherry picking here? I don't know. Okay, so I was I was reading more about this record, and I I can't reference the exact things. So somebody or several people were bringing up the point, like the first like. The lyrics, some of the like the last lyrics on this album, directly correlate with Plus Forty Four's the first lyrics on the Plus Forty Four record, and then th- there's like all these weird like somebody came up with all these weird connections between the two records, and I I don't remember any of it right now, so I don't even know why I brought it up, but um, but yeah, there are, are some there. really weird there are some weird correlations, but it could just be like fans. 
or like crazy people like us just trying to connect every dot we could possibly think of because we're absolutely out of our minds again like i'm a firm believer of like when sublime when bradley noel died and they wanted to continue with the name but the bradley noel estate said no you can't do it so that's why they added like with rome I, i i'm still a firm believer of like bud gog and eric wilson knew bradley noel better than his own family did because they're yeah. just they're with him more like they they know who he is more than anybody else they've seen him at his worst whereas his family has pretty much only seen him at his best when he comes home for the holidays or whatever it is and so much which is the same kind of with mark and tom and kind of travis but mark and tom like they're so i, I feel like they're so connected from like the moment they met like these two have been like the Lennon and 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 fucking that other idiot from the Beatles. McCartney. I don't want to say his name. It's what I've always said. It's what I've always no, said. But like, he's not the better one of the. Of the they are. They are the Lennon McCartney of our generation. Like they and I stand by. They're that. so they're so connect on this like uh, extraordinary level that most people would never get to like experience or never even even come to terms with even acknowledging it, that it exists. But it does exist. And they they have it, and the fact that they like fight it so much fucking pisses me off. For someone that like really believes in this stupid kind of shit, and that wa- probably watches too much X Files and stuff like that, but like, hey, but like, so Mark and Tom have this connection that they try to fight, and it's on this like, I I, I don't even know on this like other plane of existence, and it irritates me that they just don't accept it. They both yeah. try and do their own things. They're both doing each really stupid but things. But they both know that when they get together, it's gold. It's absolute it's fucking It's going to rock the world, baby. It is. So let's get into another banger here. Um, let, let, okay, let, let's briefly talk about the adventure. Because this was the first... I mean, we already played it at the very beginning of the episode. But let's get into it again because we didn't really talk about it. But this is, to me, one of the most uplifting tracks uh, this was the first single because the fan or the guy who hacked Tom's email, you know, decided that this was the first single. Um, I feel like the buildup in this song I is just one of the greatest things ever. And that, that guitar riff is the guitar riff leading into the into the verse, I think, is it's so catchy, but so simple. It's such a dumb riff. But that's what Tom is good at. He's good at at somehow making really dumb sounding riffs and really dumb chord progressions sound i don't know so catchy in the weirdest ways i think it's like his lazy way of playing he has a very lazy style well you I mean you throw back to damn it right so damn it that chord progression has been done prior to him a billion a, times, a billion times. Yeah. but to just pick like the the notes from those power chords like that's that's pretty pathetic that no one's ever done it in that way. And to write a whole song around it is pretty, pretty genius or ingenious, I guess, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But as far as like the adventure goes, I think that it's the adventure kind of has like this dance feel to it. It's almost like a dancey type song. What it has almost that it's like, it's like a half ass disco beat. Yeah. Because disco beat has the, you know, with the high, that got, but it's like, but the way Adam plays that beat, he he leaves like, 
like a like a note missing from from that like he should be hitting the hi hat one more time before hitting that snare, but he leaves that he le- he leaves that that note open before hitting the snare. So it's like this this super lazy disco beat, and oh man, I I think it's so good. The the best part of the adventure for me is Adam's like five snare hit during like all oh, the, I love all, that the too. all the all the verses oh, I love it so much. where it's just like what the fuck like how and then how do i even start to play this on the drums and then and then at the very and then at the during the last bar of that where is the last bar yeah at the during the last bar he doesn't do that 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 he just he plays it like a normal beat and you're like oh god damn it like i want to play it one more time but but like he throws everyone off and he just he just plays like the beat like a four four like a four on the floor beat so good oh dude it's fucking great and just like, and then during during the pre-chorus and the chorus, like he's just like slamming on those those toms, and then just that one snare hit, it's like, dude, how fucking hard are you hitting that stuff? Killing them. To, I mean, he's like, how many them. drum heads do you go through? How many drum heads <laughs> do you blow out? It's it's absolute insanity. His drumming on this, oh, I mean, we already talked about it, so we're not gonna do it more. But his drumming is fantastic on this record and especially that song another notable aspect of the song for me is when tom does the hey yo parts the hey yo here i am. it's so dumb and so stupid but i laugh and I, I love it so much it's so it's so earnest it's so basic bitch for tom it is and i also wanted to talk about we we briefly touched upon it when when the song was originally leaked there, the the song you you heard at the beginning of the episode is different than the original version, the re- original version which I have, uh, Oof. on my computer and my my phone and stuff. After every line during the verses, you could hear Tom do it, like gasp for air, you go <gasps> like that every fucking after every line. And you and I, you know, okay, so you and I didn't notice that, but a friend of the pod Annie, I I showed her the song. And she's like, "Why is that intent? Like, is is he really doing that on purpose? Or like, why is he doing that?" She was the one who noticed it, and then I was like, "Oh my god, you're right. He sounds really stupid." And then you obviously agreed with me, but yeah, the 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 gasping is, it is so it's so noticeable. You can't it's so distracting. It. Yeah, you I know. Can't unhear it. I, it's awful. I should have. I should have it, but I don't have it. I mean, I don't have it available right now. But and it's 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 so it's so bizarre to think that a guy who has so much practice playing live because I mean, Blink has played thousands of live shows, and it's so weird to think that a guy who has had so much practice playing live shows can't hold his fucking breath for more than one verse or more. Sorry, mm-hmm. more than one line. I mean, it's only one line. It's like <laughs> I want to have the same last dream again. <gasps> Like it was literally sounds like that. It's so (gasps) irritating, so distracting. I mean, I'd love it in the end because it's so. I you know I like it so much because it it just shows like the imperfection of it all, but it still doesn't really take away from the song that much. I'm glad it wasn't on the final cut, but yeah, I I love to listen to it definitely because it does not fit. It it just it completely distract. If it was your first time listening. It completely distracts from the entire but see, like, it, thing of the song. Okay, so but it didn't distract from you and I until because somebody we're, we outside. Have, like, these fucking stupid puppy dog eyes that no matter what Tom <laughs> would have put out, he could put out things of him just farting, dude. And we've been like, oh man, this is so good. But to like honestly, an, we would ob- probably love it to like an objective observer. Annie was like, dude, why the fuck can he not hold his breath? 
<laughs> but like to us, we're just like we were just so happy to hear Tom's voice that it didn't yeah, matter what true. he's saying. Oh, it's it's so funny. And I, every time I listen to the song and I sing along to the song, you still I do, do the it, breaths right? for him. I do it. I do it for every him time. because I, I know he. I know he's gasping for air, so I wanted to help him. I want to help him out every time I listen. Anyway, that that's the adventure. I don't know much, what more I could say about it. Uh, I only have two more bangers for me. It's Valkyrie Missile and The War. Okay, so I definitely want to talk about The War. Uh, for their, some of the lyrics I think are super dark. And then there's also some lyrics in Do It For Me Now that I want to talk about. But let's just go with, uh, well, let's just do Do It For Me Now just to get it over with. Do it. So the song itself, this was actually, Do It For Me Now was actually a single. Uh, It didn't, it it wasn't as popular as The Adventure or really any of the other songs, but it, it was the only one to have a video made outside of the adventure. I song wise, it's definitely not my favorite, but it has some of my favorite lyrics outside of the one in It Hurts. Is what? this the one you were talking about that, that you said was like the, Tom's best writing or I think it, this is some of the best things he, he did. Okay, so so there's one line he has in this. He says, You're a thief and a witch, but I love you to death. I love that line. I I think that line is so good. But but, but the rest so of it's, it, it, God, so like I, I agree. I, I like that line a lot. I like to sing along with it, but like I have this this like mixed feelings about it because it's so against kind of what Tom who Tom actually is. Because if he's talking about which obviously I'm gonna relate it to, if he's talking about Mark or Blink in general, then then it, that's completely false. But if he's talking about somebody else talking about him then it's kind of it's kind of irritating to think that he's that conceited. I also think he I think on this record he's he made a point of not talking about the breakup of the band of Blink just because he wanted to do something different and not have to hold on like Mark did on with Plus 44. So I think this is strictly about a relationship whether it be about him or just a relationship in general, which I think he's good at talking about but the rest of the the rest of the that part so it's you're a thief and a witch but i love you to death you steal my heart and curse under your breath but the one thing that i can most willingly prove that when you are gone i'll be fine without you fucking so good i love it just that's it i love those lyrics it's great i'm a lyricman now i never thought i'd be a lyricman it's crazy it's crazy look, look where we've come look how far we've come <laughs> Oh, the this places is what, you'll go, says Dr. Seuss. This is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> this it's is what incredible. happens. Oh, man. That's, I I mean, I've never really delved into the lyrics until this week, but, man, dude, there's some there's some great stuff on this record. I mean, <clears throat> I, I agree. Some of, some of Tom's best writing just came off strictly this album. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of it, but... There, there's been a couple of verses that I think are absolutely phenomenal. I, I also read that this song um, started off as a beat Tom made for uh, Talib Kweli. Oh yeah, I read in that. Two thousand four. Yeah. That's so weird, right? <laughs> it's okay, so first out of, of all, left what field. were you doing, like hanging out with with him in two thousand four? Unless like Talib Kweli was hanging out with John Kerry with Tom. Like that's the only connection I could think of, even though I don't even know if Talib Kweli was hanging out with John Kerry. 
but I don't know. It's just it's so, so weird. Bizarre. It's really bizarre. Yeah. But absolutely bizarre. As far as like this song goes, because I thought this song was okay, the I thought the intro sounded almost like it was gonna drop into like this heavy dance song. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. And then at this point in the album, after coming off of like the first like two songs, this was just kind of more of like that that guitar effect that that we've already heard and that we will hear over and over and over again throughout the song throughout this album. And so it was kind of bad placement because it wasn't solidifying this this kind of exuberance of guitar effects. It was just kind of like oh this this mundane delay slash reverbed guitar effect over and over and over again. It was kind of annoying. And then the chorus, Maybe. the chorus has like this fun pacing to it, but then it straight up goes into like down from blink when he says now, but it's just like down, <laughs> yeah. down, like it's fucking down. dude. like, That's what do you, true. I didn't even think about that. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. And the outro is mediocre like- at best. At best, but the, but this song needed to kind of like bring it down because Valkyrie Missile is very kind of like fast, and then Distraction has the dynamics of the the high and the lows. But this song is just like it kind of just kind of settles in the low, and then it just brings it back up with the adventure. So I think to me, I think the sequence scene is really good. It's just the song's not good. Yeah, well, it's a rip off of enough. Down. It's it's boring. It's the same shit we've heard the past two songs. And then it's gonna it's like a foreshadowing of the same shit we're gonna hear in the latter half of the album. It's just it, okay. it's boring. Fair it's enough. plain it's 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 boring lunch. But would you but would you want a song like this at the end of the album so it's so top heavy with like slow songs? Honestly, I would be okay with this song being out of the album entirely. Coming straight off distraction into the adventure, I thought would be phenomenal. But you were talking shit on Distraction. But Distraction's a heavy song. It's a heavy, content-wise, it's a heavy song. And to give like the listener kind of a break and go into the uplifting adventure, I thought would have been better than kind of, like going from like, that's like slamming down shots, right? So like Distraction is you're slamming down shots and then you cry about your ex. And then Do It For Me Now comes in and that's just like your friend who's not really giving you any advice. He's just kind of like drinking with you. And the adventure comes in, and that's like another friend that comes in. Like, hey, dude, let's go do something fucking fun. It's like, let's just cut out okay. that middle ground. And let's go from slamming down shots and being sad and then going to something fun. Like, why do you need that, that middle ground of just doing nothing? And that's what Do It For Me Now felt like. Fair enough. You can have an opinion. That's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, so before we we get into... Because I'm sure we're going to round out this thing with the war. Um, We talked about it on the pod like maybe a year ago when this happened, but uh, Tom decided to go back and re-record, I think, four or five songs from this from uh, Wooden Toe. Um, And they ended up turned out really really good um so yeah just go check those out those are really good they're cool little uh kind of different versions of the the songs but done acoustically and it's softer and way less delay on the guitars which is cool too i think you can agree with me on that one sure uh but also you know ah, man there's i don't know do you want to talk about anything else 
I think we we talked about most of the stuff in the notes, right? I mean, just like for me, real quick, I think Valkyrie Missile is an absolute banger. Apart from the part where Tom's the last line of the song is Tom saying like "Rangers and airwaves," I mean that's fucking lame as 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 all hell. But other than that, no, I, think what this ta- I think the song is perfect. It's who do you think we are? Who do we think we are? Oranges and airwaves. Oh, it's so dumb. It's so, it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy. Awful. Oh my god. Oh shit, that's so. Ugh, I don't know. Wait, did you did you watch the um, the documentary on this record? No, the one on Amazon or the one we talked about? No, I didn't watch it. No. Okay. Well, for anyone out there, uh, it, it's an interesting little documentary. It talks about the end of Blink. Um, it was made by the band, like Tom. It would like a real thing so it's not like some bootleg shit uh, it's about like what happened after blink and it's the beginning of the band of angels and airways and the making of this actual record um it's called start the machine i don't think you can really buy it anywhere but you can watch the entire thing on youtube and uh and it has italian subtitles so i think it's on amazon I mean, for all for all y'all out it? there because I, I remember we were talking about it and i was like i was really gung-ho about watching it but then, like, after going through Love and then Dreamwalker, I was so uninspired. I did not watch it, but I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon Prime. It's a pretty it's a pretty interesting watch because they, in the documentary, that, like, they, they bring up, like, several times, like, how stupid Tom was uh, about all the outlandish things he was saying about himself and the band. And Tom's just, like, wildly embarrassed. He's like, I don't know why the fuck I said that. Like, I just get ahead of myself. And then David's all like, yeah, you, you should really stop doing that. Like, it just shows like the calmness of David and I don't know. It, it's a really interesting documentary. I feel if you're interested in the band and the making of the album and kind of where he was at the time, it, it's, it's a really good documentary, but yeah, it's called start the machine. Oh, oh, I did want to bring up one more thing. What's that? So there was, there was always this rumor that was going around for like maybe the last four years or so that after Tom quit blink, uh, in 2005 and he didn't originally want to sing on like anything that he was going to record on so he actually tried to get Cedric Bixer Zavala the singer from <laughs> the Mars Volta and at the drive-in to be the vocalist in his band but Cedric turned it pretty much like turned it down and laughed at him saying fuck no like why would he like he was in the Mars Volta why would he want to <laughs> they just put out like three perfect records why would he want to quit the Mars Volta and be with Angel and Airways? That makes no fucking sense, right? I mean, it, 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 I understand like his his reasoning for saying no, but to scoff at it, I think is um, is unmusicianly unlike him to do so. If that makes sense, like he does, he Who's sh- Cedric, yeah, like as, as a musician, what well, the time he at the time scoff at it was like that though. Like if you if you read interviews and watch stuff, he was very much like a piece only of shit, Mars Volta. Right? A oh, he, douchebag. yeah. Oh, yeah. Much like Absolutely. Tom. Maybe that's why it wouldn't. That maybe that's why it didn't work out. For the best. Or you the never worst. know. I don't know. You never know. Can you imagine though? Can you imagine Cedric and Tom? No, it's awful. It, it sounds awful. It, like it off. It honestly sounds awful. It sounds terrible. Like it doesn't. Ah, 
It just what does a, not mesh and it sounds stupid. It doesn't at all. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it'd be a good idea. Like this is way too polished. This is way too poppy. This is way too, I don't know, straightforward, feel good, childish for Cedric. Yeah. Although I will say Cedric and Omar did make music with Travis Barker, which was pretty good. That's a That's a drummer though. Yeah, it's different, but it's, I don't know, it still had to be brought up. But anyway, okay, so The War is really like the last song to really talk about that to me has a lot of significance. Uh, it doesn't close out the record, but I I think lyrically and musically, it's the it's definitely the heaviest and most depressing part of this album yes. by far. Yeah. So I think this is the only song that was that was recorded in drop D if I'm not mistaken, maybe even, no, I don't think it was C. I think it was just drop D, but it's super, super heavy. It was probably one of the heaviest things Tom has ever recorded. Um, but it's still, it's still very melodic and it tells a, an interesting story lyrically. And, but it's very much from the perspective of a soldier in world war two. But from what I was reading too, it was inspired by, the war in Iraq at the time and all the shit that was going on back then. But from the, like I said, but from the perspective of a world war, of a world war two soldier. Yes. But what, what yeah, I, dude, that, that guitar riff is so good. What I like about the war is that besides Valkyrie, I think there are only three songs in the album that do this Valkyrie missile, the adventure and then the war. I think are the only three songs in the album that like vocally, lyrically and instrumentally, all mesh together to tell a perfect story kind of okay. like from beginning to end but i think the war does it best and i love that that you have like this simple drum beat like this his adam's use of like the hi-hat it's like simplistic but it's kind of effective in sort that it builds up to the entire song because the entire song is essentially just kind of a build-up until the chorus and when he just screams like, why won't you tell me it's and then so forth. Yeah. But, and then going further into it is, is that kind of like that war aspect of it is if you put yourself in like the shoes of like a soldier, again, I'm going to reference, I mean, possibly like the greatest war movie of all time, saving private Ryan. I never been to war. I don't know what it's like. I can only speculate based off stories and what I see in movies. So saving private Ryan, I hear is one of the, the best depictions of war in, in cinema history. And so basically like yeah. this song off of that movie, the part where he's kind of doing the OOs part and it's kind of like a softer melody. There's always downtime in war. And even if you like, if you watch saving private Ryan, there are downtimes in that movie where they're kind of bonding and they're just kind of like relaxing. And then it comes into the chorus, right? And the fucking, like, the grenade comes in and blows up your comrade. And it erupts into this absolute, in fucking, this absolute insanity. And it kind of gave me this, this, this Batman feeling of when, when, when Harvey Dent said the night is dark is just before dawn. And I feel like that's Ooh. what these people are, are feeling like. And that's what this song is trying to portray to you. Like, hey, man, just because it's, it's calm right now. This could be like the eye of the storm. And the next thing you encounter could be the worst thing you've ever encountered. And that's like this, like I the like war. That. That's what this whole song kind of just kept me on my toes. Just kept me going. Just kept me, kept me feeling. <laughs> I don't even know what to think. It's true. And, you know, reading more into the lyrics, it's very much 
like a a soldier or a person in war questioning why they're there why are they fighting for what they're fighting for like is there a real point to it and like there are casualties on both sides and there are perspectives on both sides of a war and i feel like this is like one of the most introspective songs lyrically on the album and it's so effective and there's one this is probably the darkest thing i feel that he's written and especially on this album but the lyrics are and the houses laid out like targets with the deafening sound we watch them all go down and the families now useless bodies they lay still black and blue a gift from us to you like that's some heavy dark shit right there like it oh man that <laughs> i, I agree it's I, so it's so like like especially that last line a gift from us to you like oh fuck man that's fucked up i i i agree but in that's the sense war. that this is like the, the the darkest shit tom's probably written ever but i i disagree in where it's come about because i think the chorus is the absolute darkest part of the song when he says like why won't you tell me that it's almost over like that thing, yeah. I I imagine just like a soldier being like seventeen, going into boot camp, turning eighteen, going into war, and just like fighting for, and just like, dude, why the fuck am I here? Like pleading, like praying to any god that they believe in, just just hoping, praying that they're gonna make it out. Just just see their fucking mom, dude. Just is, just to experience what it's like to go to a bar, just to experience what it's like to do anything post eighteen years old, and. And I think it's 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 such a heavy thing to talk about because, like like most people just have like no idea, like no concept yeah. of what it would be like to actually run forward into something, knowing that there's a good chance that you're gonna die a horrible fucking death. And so I think the chorus in this song is the most effective on the album. Not the most. It's not. It's not the the most well written. But I think it's the most effective chorus on this entire album in that it, it, it really showcases the emotion that Tom was really trying to go for. Yeah. I mean, the chorus is effective, but the chorus is very, to me, is very different. Lyrically, is very different from from the verses. You know, it's it's like the more the the chorus is more of an introspective feel from the from that soldier. But the ver that that last verse from what I just read was more like to me. It was more just like, this is war. This is like, like an observation. Having, it's an observation, but it's almost like that that person, like in the story of the song, that person has become so calloused to what he's been through that he just sees, like, like, like I said, the last night, like the last line that he says is a gift from us to you. Like that's just them seeing these people that they're at war with as like not even human. Like it's this progression through war that that war this is what happens in war to the people is that they they just become callous and they they treat whatever they're fighting against as like not even real humans or real things you know it's just like a target it's just nothing so this is like I don't know it's just I think it's super super yeah it's just it's fucked up <laughs> Let's just that's why that. like this song was so fucking good because like we said earlier Tom thought that at at the time if not now that world war 2 was the last good war that was fought that was legit between good and evil 
because yeah. you hear those stories like post World War Two, and like the Vietnam and 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 these wars the where war, yeah. where the soldiers would fire above their heads because they don't want to kill anybody because they don't that that was like the first time where where soldiers thought that what they were doing wasn't right. And so they didn't want to yeah, kill Vietnam anybody. Was the start of that. So they're they're shooting above their heads, ab- above them. So they didn't want to kill anybody, and and so like their their percentages of like their hit percentages like astronomically low, like five percent or whatever it was. And so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what this song was delving into, and like especially in the chorus where it was just like a almost like a child, like eighteen year olds are children, bro. Like we're thirty yeah, years old. Eighteen year olds are fucking children, man. They're not real people. Like I, they're not. They're fucking stupid. They're embryos, man. They're fi- they're embryos. They're idiots. They have know nothing. And to like think, knowing knowing to think knowing that, like, myself at eighteen and knowing anybody I know at eighteen, like at, in any capacity, are just idiots. Idiots. Eighteen-year-olds like are. Oh my god, dude! It's it's fucked. Like and it's to fucked think to think that, about. Like, millions of them were out there with guns in their hands, saying, "Hey, dude." Go kill that guy. Okay, and then and then to fault them for it, it's just it's unbelievable to me, and it's just it's so sad and it's so fucking pathetic. It's, it's like mass manipulation. Ugh, it's gross. Eighteen, man, eighteen. We're almost double yeah. that, and it's just ah, <laughs> just to think like an eighteen-year-old is gonna go out. We're not almost double that. We're almost double that. We're thirty-two. <laughs> almost double. That. That's we're almost not. double. Well, what's, we are. What's double 18? 36? We're not almost 36. At what point are you almost double 18? When you're 35 when and you're a half? When you're 36. You're an idiot. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. 18-year-olds, they can't be trusted to do shit. It's Unless not. you're like, like, like it's, it's like 1% of 18-year-olds are actually like responsible, like, you know, it's not that they. It's not that people. they shouldn't be trusted. It's that they're not mentally. They don't have experience. Enough. They, they don't have any experience in like what life is for, for the, the most part. For the same reason we don't allow thirteen-year-olds to drive vehicles, and for the same reason why we don't allow eighteen-year-olds to drink alcohol legally, that should be the same reason why we don't allow eighteen-year-olds to fucking die in the hands of combat. It, it's absolutely insanity to me, and this song kind of. Really drives that point home. Yeah, and it's really kind of makes you sad. Dark like it really, it really makes you sad, and and so I know that's that 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 was my standpoint for it. Yeah, coming from it, I guess the song really was effective was. at what it was trying to accomplish. Definitely was. Oh, we didn't even play it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I true. might as well play it right now, right? We'll play it. Wow, play a fucking track, and then. We'll play this song and then we'll uh, we'll give our final thoughts on it and then um, finish it up. So here is The War by Angels and Elves.
That's the War by Angels and Airwaves. You know, after doing this album, talking about it for this long, and listening to it this week, like, I remember thinking at the time when this came out, like, how different Tom's voice sounded and how, like, almost like I almost didn't like it, but I still did. And then comparing it to how he sounds now or, like, even how he sounds, like, his voice sounds on, like, on Neighborhoods, the Blink album. Like, this was, like, still like high-pitched voice Tom, just like with weird and like the way he pronounced certain words and, and kind of like rang out notes. But like he still had that that really nasally whiny voice. But nowadays, like his voice is just like, I can't even think, I can't even explain it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think this this album is Tom sounding like Tom from Blink. But you also hear that kind of um that blink influence and for instance i don't like it but in in good day or what the fuck that stupid song's name is when he adds towards the end that not like the na 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 part but the da 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 part da 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 that's the blink na 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 but he doesn't want to acknowledge the na 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 so he puts da 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 but you have you noticed he does that a lot um, because he loves Blink One Eight Two so much, but he's so stupid. But you know, he 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 did that on Neighborhoods. You remember that? He did like the na na nas, but he did it in a weird way in uh, the song "Wishing Well." Because la da 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 la da 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 da. Like it's still he put the la da da. He put the laws in between the does to make you feel like oh, he's just doing another Blink thing. But it was like a precursor to the Angels and Airwaves thing. No, but Wishing Well was after Angels and Airwaves. Oh, you're right. But still, like he he does he he doesn't just do like normal na na nas and woes, like the whoa whoa or the na 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 na. Like he does he doesn't do like the normal thing. It's always like it's always something weird and kind of like out of left field. I don't know. It's he has a he has a really interesting way of writing songs. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like weird. It's it's pretty. Ooh. It's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty basic. But it's, it's basic. But it's done in in such a weird. He, ha- I don't know. I can't explain it. After toy pads, he has this weird. He, he can never write na na nas, da da das, la la las, and it'll never be the same. But he does. I mean, like I just said, and the, it's, the and it, and it's the same. It sounds like stuff off toy pads. That's it. No, it. What do you mean? Oh, no, it doesn't. Of course, it does. No. Oh. No. No, no. No, no. <laughs> she makes me feel like it's raining outside. outside. La da 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 da. <laughs> La da 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 da. See? <laughs> I went to the wishing well. That's the same fucking song. To the ocean floor. <laughs> That's good. That was good. <laughs> one last one last thing real quick until until I'm done with the album, but start the machine. Okay. I don't really like the song, but it is memorable to me because we had a friend, friend of the pod. His name will let's call him Sohil. Oh, oh, <laughs> and so and so the only part that I like of this song, <laughs> just because I think it's hilarious, is we would replace some of the words because our friend, I forgot what his name was. Let's call him Sohil. Our friend did something to us where that was kind of mean. And we felt like he should have said sorry, but he never did. And so we always sang along to start the machine as 
So he'll he won't say sorry. Won't say sorry. So he'll he won't say sorry. <laughs> and so that's the only reason why I even like give that song the time of day. Because other than that, I think the song's kind of stupid. Yeah. Well, if you didn't know, the actual lyrics are, you know, I won't say sorry. So, so he'll he won't say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as much as friend of the pod Ryan hates Tom DeLonge and how much he hates blink and angels and airwaves he still to this day sings the suck hill i won't say sorry like i heard, I heard him sing it like less than a month ago he said like, hill, I won't say sorry it's because we did it so much we did it's so dumb and that's just like that just shows you how much of our sad pathetic blink influence that we had on our friends to the point where our other friend who is the biggest poser of a Bon Jovi fan now likes <laughs> angels and airwaves, <laughs> but only one lyric. <laughs> oh God. He won't listen to this anyway. So it's not like, he'll get. Oh, hurt. you know what? I just remembered speaking of friends of the pod, Mike, Mike Grant, friend of the pod, uh, used to play drums with us, played drums on the intro song to the podcast. That was our first band. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so he, uh, I remember when the adventure came out, the when it was the extended intro, which you could still hear like in the what you hear now, but like like the weird noises and everything. He always thought it sounded like like somebody trying to get out of a cage, like somebody like banging on bars and stuff like that. What is so that he, sound? So what it is is it's like a, a bunch of like random like nuts and bolts in like a shoebox. And also, and like being like rolled around in front of a mic and also like a file cabinet being opened and shut, but then also like looped and compressed and all this kind of fucked up shit to make the sound. But Mike always said that it reminded him of like Tom breaking out of his shackles and like doing something different outside of Blink. Like Ooh, that was the, I remember him like, saying that. You remember that? Yeah, yeah I do. He, was, he was like, this is the introduction of like a new era of Tom, of him breaking out of the, the, the shackles or the the handcuffs or whatever, you know, or the, out of the cage of Blink-182 into Angels and Airwaves, that was our introduction to Tom. And I'm like, wow, that's it's kind of it's kind of deep. It's kind of heavy. I remember that because he was a huge fan. He was our, our, old, our old friend, Mike Grant, was a phenomenal drummer, like so an absolutely good. phenomenal drummer. And one of his, uh, I guess, influences, or one of his favorite drummers was Travis Barker. So he was yeah. he was just as big of a Blink head as we were. Just kind of more low key about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I thought that was such a, a an interesting uh, viewpoint an on, on that, observation. that song. There you go. There you go. Throw it out there. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So there you have it. Uh, all right, we're not even done. We haven't even got our ratings. So final thoughts. What, um, what do you got, Jeff? Also, real quick, jo- Ryan Joseph Manning Jr. was the keyboardist for this, and uh, as I read. He also keyboarded for Toy Page, Self-Entitled, and Neighborhoods. He was introduced to the band by Mr. Oh, yeah, Jerry Finn. Right. Um, other than that, I, I think this album is, um, it holds up well, surprisingly well for me. It still holds some some of the core values that it did back then. It's always difficult to kind of be like, um, to be like no effects era rock against Bush, but then Bush is out of his presidency for X amount of years. And so it's, it's like, does that still really hold up that well? I don't know, but I feel this album still holds up 
just as well as it did back then. There are some songs on here that I don't think are are great, but I think they are completely overshadowed by the greatness of other songs that we had talked about. My new love for the gift is 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 astounding. It it, it blew my mind, and so um, I would I would give this album. I'm gonna give it a just honestly just based off of like the gift alone. I'm gonna give this a two point eight. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow. Okay. This is not. This is not. I mean, dude. There's so many songs on here that I would I would rather just do without, and so there's songs on here that I would just rather not listen to at all. Like a little's enough. I think is is just stupid. I think it's kind of silly. Good day mm-hmm. and start the machine. I I think are all just mediocre songs, at best. And so given that. I think a 2.8 is a f- dude, I think that's like the highest I could possibly go. <clears throat> okay. That's cool. Um speaking of the the keyboardist that you were talking about, uh I think he's the keyboardist for Beck. Like he does a lot of session stuff, but I think he's also the keyboardist for Beck if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, um you know, I'm I'm a huge Tomman. Uh I I'd, I'd love like all the music he's done, he's done. Tom I and went and saw him. <laughs> I saw him. I saw him last week with Angels and Airwaves. Um, I wish he would have played Wooden Toe in its entirety, but you know what are you gonna do? It was still a solid set. Hour and forty minutes of Tom. You can't go wrong with that. Um, but uh, you know, I've, I've been following this band since the day they started, and I'm still a fan to this day. I followed. I've listened to all their records over and over and over again. Huge, huge fan of the band. This is my favorite Angels and Airwaves record. Um, you know, all the memories I've have, I've had with it, we've talked about so many great times. I think the songs are very unique. They do have some, like, U2 resemblance, but they still stand alone. The lyrics are fantastic, I feel. Uh, the No Stinkers, All Bangers, so I'm going to have to give this out. No, All Bangers? You think yeah. every song is a banger? Yeah, I do. You're fucking nuts, man. But it's it's like you said, the there are some really amazing great songs and they tend to overshadow like songs like Start the Machine. But the that song is still great. It's still so good, but the other it's songs not are so, so good. It's still really good, but in the mm. context of the album it, it's overshadowed. That's what it is. It's overshadowed. So I give this album a perfect 3. I, it's a perfect album. That's craziness. Craziness. It's fantastic. And considering Tom, it, it this is a Tom album. He wrote everything. This is this is his baby. He produced it. He wrote it. This is his. You know, it's just, it's impressive. It's very, very impressive. So good. So good. I agree, too. I, I, think, I think we kind of glossed over the fact that Ryan Sid and David Kennedy didn't do much as far as like progressing this album forward, I think this is very much Tom's baby and Adam Willard was the second man, like I said, but Ryan and David were just kind of there. Like, like after watching the documentary, the start the machine documentary, like Ryan is not really featured very much at all in the documentary, except kind of toward the end. But David's in it a lot. He talks about the making of the record. Like I think David was there not to not to write the music, but to guide Tom. Like encourage, he's a, like no, <laughs> like, no, like no, a hype seriously. man, like like Flavor Flavor with Chuck D. Like he's just a hype man. 
he i i think he kind of well, not a hype man but just like he's there to encourage him and say eh, that's not good like he's more there to be like a he was the, i feel like david is more of the producer than tom was like tom Ooh. would play something or he would come come up with something and david would be like in the in the documentary it'd be like uh eh, no nah, i don't think so man I, I think you maybe you should go with this part or these notes instead of this or that like david was more in the process than than I feel anybody else was. He was a personal producer. He was a peepee. I, I think so. I he All was. Right. He was absolutely a peepee. Like right. probably the biggest peepee on the record. But <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Tom, no, Tom I, is the biggest peepee on the record for sure. Well, I mean, we all know that. I mean, second biggest peepee. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it, we're we're done with this album. That it's a perfect three. Like, <laughs> don't even fucking argue with me on this one. So it's wouldn't tell. Wooden Toe, Perfect Three. Jeff agrees with me on that. <laughs> I still don't even um, know why you call it Wooden Toe, but okay. <laughs> what do you mean? I didn't understand it when you said it earlier. You still don't understand it? It's been <laughs> not, like two hours. Not really. I just, I, went, I've, I just went along with this. All right. That's fine. The, fir- the first letter of every word in on the album. So W for we, D for don't, N we wouldn't for to, there's no vowels what? there's no vowels though there doesn't need to be vowels that's, so I, that's now the you, fun now of you just, it you're adding vowels that's the fun of it no that's the fun of it there, because there are no but that's like that's the best part of it there's no there are no vowels so you okay. it's wooden toe <laughs> well i mean it can, you could add any vowel in between the consonants and you can well of make course but that's word. not funny okay but that's not fun that's not that's not as funny as wooden toe. Like you, you just ruined the entire joke. <laughs> because I don't understand this stupid fucking You're, joke. It was dumb. No, it was a great fucking joke. Well, I like saying wooden, wooden toe, toe because it's so stupid. But you know, like but album. look at it. How can you not? W D N T W wooden toe. Come on, man. Have some fun. Have some fun tonight. I right, I'm trying to. Clearly not. Well, anyway, that's it for the episode of the week. Uh, we just did, if you didn't know already by this time, that we just did the Angels and Airwaves record. Wooden we don't need toe. to whisper. Wooden toe. Um, so yeah, if you, I would really love it, or we would really love it if you went into iTunes and rate, reviewed, and subscribed to us there. Also follow us on social media, Asini, at Asinine Radio. Get into all that. At least just rate the fucking podcast. Yeah, for God's just give sake. us a five star rating. Like, even like a give us four a, star would be no. Okay. Don't give us a four. No, shut up. Okay. No, a five. We star. need a five. We need we need fives. Fives all day, baby. Fives, fives all, day. all day. So go do it. You're two hours in. Just go do it. What else? What else are you doing in. with Actually, your life? If you listen to the other episode. <laughs> if you listen to the other episode, yeah. But what else are you doing with your life where you it's get true. three hours into this? And you're still listening, so just go fucking do it. What have you got to lose except for your dignity, which you've already lost? You've already lost, exactly. So there you have it. We're going to be getting into something kind of similar next week, but I won't reveal it just yet. So there you go. David Javi, David Javi. Oh, David Javi, 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 David Javi. Uh, my favorite is Young London.
I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. So I know. That sounds like fucking M&M's, you little fucking cuck. Are you serious? <laughs> that, that and maybe Epic Holiday. It's great. Secret crowds rise up and gather. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds so dumb when he sings it. So good. Oh, but it, good I love it. it. Yeah, to have right. both of these kind of like coincide with each other and, 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 and collaborate. Wow. Collab, collaborate. Oh, dude, I can't even say it. <laughs> oh. This is the city, the city of angels. And that's it. Na, 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 na. She makes me feel like it's raining outside. Raining outside. La da 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 da. La da 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 da. See, I went to the wishing well. Same fucking song. To the ocean floor. That was good. That was good. 